Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You know, again, I'm not going to sit here and say he's Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey may be the best tight end we've ever seen as a receiver, and he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I'm not suggesting he's Kelsey, but he can be used stylistically and and structurally in that way. You know, he's that kind of receiving talent. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I never do that to you guys. I bring it every single episode because you're giving me 30 minutes of your listening time. Almost every day, well, I'm going to give you my energy for those 30 minutes every day. It's a teaching tutorial Thursday, a.k.a. a Greg Cosell Thursday, the NFL films legend who puts in the work. That's the good news. The bad news is I just realized seven seconds ago that I forgot to pick out the winners for this week. So I will announce them on Monday again, like I did this week. Last week, it was because of the internet. This week, it's just because I forgot. But guess what? That gives you more time to give us a review on Facebook of Ross Tucker Pod, facebook.com. You can give us a review of the Ross Tucker Pod account. You can take advantage of any of the sponsors. I don't know that I've gotten one this week. Anybody taking advantage of any of the sponsors on the sponsor page over at rostucker.com? And then the YouTube shout-out which I really love. It's just fun to do a video on my phone and email it to you. And then you have it and you give it to whoever you want to give it to. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. It's the last offensive skill position day. We're going to get into tight ends with Greg Cosell. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Greg, we are going to get into tight ends, but I, I have a question for you. I've been thinking about a lot this week with the news on Monday of Lamar Jackson requesting a trade. I know there's no way to know for sure because we've kind of only seen him in Greg Roman's offense. You know, when you watch him and you watch him throw the ball and you watch his traits, how do you think Lamar Jackson would do in a different offense, in a more traditional offense or in a Kyle Shanahan or in whatever you think Todd Munkin might do 
in Baltimore. Are you able to have a pretty good feel for that? I mean, you've watched a lot of Lamar Jackson now. Yeah, and and to be honest, I think there there would be questions about that because this offense was built specifically for him. Um, Because I remember having a conversation with a coach who was on the staff at the time, um, early in in Lamar's career, um, and it was definitely built specifically for him. It's an offense unlike any other in the NFL. And I think in speaking with people, there are legitimate questions, Ross, as to if if you were to sign him, do you need to, in a sense, restructure your entire offense? That's a big deal in the NFL. You know that, Ross. You know, that's not just, oh, we'll throw in a couple of, you know, uh, zone read plays or we'll throw in a couple of design quarterback runs. That's not what it's about. It's restructuring your offense. Um, You know, no one's going to say that Lamar Jackson, oh, he can't throw. No one's going to say that. You know, Lamar Jackson's made a lot of good throws in his NFL career. Um, But it's the whole structure and the methodology and philosophy of your offense. And to start over offensively, that's a hard thing to do. So, you know, I know it's easy for people to say in the social media world that, oh, how do you, you know, you got to sign Lamar Jackson. Why aren't people doing that, trading for him, whatever? Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot more that goes into it than that. And we'll see how it plays out. But it's not just as easy as saying, oh, let's go get Lamar Jackson. You know, you have to have a real conviction that he can run your offense, you know, what would be considered, I guess, a more traditional conventional offense uh, in the NFL. And if you don't have that conviction or if you feel like there's too much that has to be done to change what you do, then you're a little uncertain as to whether you want to go through all that. What is he as a player, Greg? I mean, we all see him. We all see how dynamic he is as a runner. His passing statistics are typically really good. What, what, you know, if, you know, I know you have scouting reports on all these guys, you know, Lamar is probably past that point because you've seen so many times, but right, what, right. what is he as a player? Well, I mean, I think, I don't think there's a mystery to that. I mean, obviously he's the best running quarterback in the league by a wide margin. He's just a freakish, freakish athlete. And so therefore it gives you elements in the run game and forces defenses to have to play a certain way. That's the element about the quarterback running that I don't think people think about is the way it forces defenses structurally to have to respond. Um, And then as a passer, I would say he's a good passer, not a high level passer, you know, with the top guys, but a good passer. You know, he's a good football player and an explosive player and a player who can make spectacular game changing plays. And he's had games where he's thrown the ball exceptionally well. I mean, I can think back to a Monday night game a few years ago against the Indianapolis Colts when he was actually in kind of a a shootout with Carson Wentz, and he was unbelievable throwing the football. So it's not as if he can't throw the football. You know, like I said, you wouldn't put him in the category of great throwers, but he can make throws. Uh, But there's so much more to it than that that we're not aware of um, and – people are aware of it in the league. And I had a couple of these conversations at the combine and there are concerns that go beyond what I just said, as far as just me sitting in my office, watching tape. Yep. Um, agree with everything you said. I will say, I I do think, I mean, the offense that Arthur Smith ran last year in Atlanta with Mariota, I think Lamar would run very well. And I think, you know, Shane Steichen and Indy, you know, something similar to what Hertz did, a little bit different yeah. players, obviously, but I still think 
Steichen could put something together for Lamar that would go really well. But anyway, um, let's dive into the tight ends. It's considered a really good tight end draft class. I mean, you probably don't go back and look at how the other draft classes were to compare it. Um, but, you know, there's a bunch of guys I know you watched. Was there a guy in particular? I usually like asking you if there's a guy that jumped in. It doesn't mean they're the best guy. <laughs> it just means like, you know, and not that you discovered him, but I do like to kind of give you a blank slate first when we do these positions because I'm always curious if there's a guy that really you, you really kind of took a liking to. Yeah, there was. I mean, this is a pretty good class. Um and, and it's funny because, you know, people probably remember a number of years ago, Dallas Goddard came out of South Dakota State and he got drafted by the Eagles in the second round. I believe they traded up for him because there was a report that the Cowboys really wanted him. And I, if I recall, the Eagles traded up to get ahead of the Cowboys and Goddard's developed into arguably a top three, four tight end in this league. <clears throat> and now they have another player, Tucker Craft. He's a player I really liked on tape. Obviously didn't know much about him other than hearing his name. Um, I think he's one of the, the most complete tight end prospect, prospects in this draft class, Ross. He's got athleticism. He's got receiving traits. He's got competitiveness. He executes as a blocker. You know, we know he's from the FCS, so there will be some people that will knock him down because of the level of competition. Um, but this guy is a high-level prospect. I I really liked him. I think that he's got some similarities to Goddard. Um Goddard is is a better, slightly better athlete than Kraft because Goddard's a really good athlete, but but Kraft is is not far uh, from that. And you can line him up all over the formation. I, you can line him up at that boundary X, which is so critical in the NFL now for tight ends to be able to line up as the single receiver to the short side of the field, opposite three wide receivers to the wide side of the field. That's a critical formation in and alignment in today's NFL. So Tucker Craft was a player whose tape I really, really liked. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge Goddard guy. I, I, oh, I whatever too. reason, he doesn't get the attention of any of these guys. Kittle, Kelsey, you know, even Waller or Mark Andrews or maybe even Hawkinson. But Goddard is really good. I mean, really he good. is. I mean, I think Goddard's top three in the league. Yeah, he's really a good, good tight end. Um, was there a guy that you thought was the best one of the group, whether it's Musgrave, Kincaid, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Darnell Washington from Georgia? Was there a guy that really impressed you, Greg? Well, I think they're different, and, and that's the thing. you know. And then it comes down to team and scheme. You know, Dalton Kincaid is a fascinating prospect. He is really smooth. He's out of Utah, if people don't know that. Um smooth, fluid, athletic. He lined up all over in, in Utah's offense. He ran routes at all three levels. Um, he's he's a strider. He's got the speed to run the vertical seam. Um, he's got body control, unbelievable hands. I mean, he catches everything, makes tough contested catches, can run away from people. Um, he can separate at the top of his route stem. Um, you know, you'd like to see him fill out his frame just a little more. He's not necessarily a, a phenomenal blocker at this point in his career. Um, but, you know, guys can be taught that. I remember having a conversation. I'm not suggesting he's Tony Gonzalez, but I remember having a conversation with a coach about Tony Gonzalez. When he came in the league, they said he wasn't a very good blocker at all, but he wanted to learn how to do it and he competed at it and he became more than a serviceable blocker, you know? So um, 
But Kincaid, he fits that profile that everybody wants today. The athletic receiving tight end who can line up in multiple locations, including that boundary exposition. Um, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and say he's Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey may be the best tight end we've ever seen as a receiver, and he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I'm not suggesting he's Kelsey, but he can be used stylistically and and structurally in that way. You know, he's that kind of receiving talent. So I guess I was a little surprised, Greg, when the grades came out and Michael Mayer, for some people, was the third or fourth tight end. There's some mock drafts where he doesn't go in the first round. You know, Notre Dame's on TV all the time, Greg. And I felt like he was like their best player the last couple years. I mean, you watch a Notre Dame game. And that's who they got the ball to. That was their guy two years in a row. Uh, is it just the bad 40 time or he just doesn't, he wouldn't threaten down the seam? What do you see from Michael Mayer? Greg? He's a fascinating guy. You got to watch a lot of Michael Mayer because he's not an explosive athlete, Ross. So in other words, you don't pop the tape on and see a couple of plays and go, wow. You know, there were some times when he releases off the line of scrimmage where he almost looks a little sluggish you know he's just not a a naturally explosive player so you have to watch him um and and the more and more you watch him the more you realize he's just a really good player but he doesn't have natural athleticism and explosiveness but so you wouldn't describe him like we just talked about Kincaid you wouldn't describe him as smooth and fluid but he has a really refined sense and feel to how to run routes He's got subtle, nuanced head feints and short area foot foot quickness. Um, He's got more than functional play speed, even though he's not fast. And he is absolutely dominant at the catch point. I mean, he's got a big frame. He's got strong, soft hands. Um, He's got body control. He catches through contact. I mean, there are few better guys locating the ball on inaccurate throws and moment of truth, you know, those kinds of throws than he is. I mean... You know, you know who he kind of reminded me of when he came out of college? And this guy obviously became a great player, but he was a third-round pick when he came out of college. He reminded me of Jason Witten. Because Jason Witten, you wouldn't say Jason Witten was an explosive vertical athlete, but obviously Jason Witten was a great player. Fantastic player. Um, and that's funny that you mentioned Witten because that's that's the guy I thought. when As you were describing Mayer, I was thinking Jason Witten, and I probably told you the story before, Greg, but I, I was with the Cowboys when they drafted Witten. Oh, really? And the first mini camp, he was terrible. I mean, didn't know what he was doing, <laughs> and even when he did know what he was doing, he couldn't block. It was like Greg Ellis, Ebenezer Ekubon, and I remember thinking distinctly, Greg, what a terrible draft pick that was. <laughs> he ends up playing like 20 years. You know, he's like an all-time great cowboy. So there's a lesson there. Usually your first impressions are pretty good, you know, but not always. But yeah, uh, that's funny with- because even though he had some vertical plays in his career, obviously, and there's many people remember like when his helmet popped off, you wouldn't describe Witten the way you talk about Kelsey. He's not explosive in that way. Don't you agree, Ross? He's not. He's not that kind of guy. He's not even Kittle or uh, some yeah. of the other guys. Yeah. But Witten always got open. 
He he understood defenses so well, and so I think smart, be like that. and he I used his Mayer body so like well to get open. Yeah, yeah, Mayer will be like that, uh, and he's going to be a good pro. He may not be one of those guys that you know, like I said, and and again, tight end volume is very much a function of team and scheme. It's like Dalton Schultz when people said, "Oh my God, I can't believe Dalton Schultz." People didn't want him to sign him for a long deal because Dalton Schultz is not a high-level tight end when you think of the great tight ends in the league. He was just a Cowboys tight end, and they threw the ball to the tight end a lot. So he had volume targets and volume catches. You know, Mayer's better than that, clearly. But, you know, team and scheme will dictate what he does in the NFL. All right. um, I got to ask you about this guy just because he looks ridiculous, and that's Darnell Washington (laughs) from Georgia. Yeah, I mean, when I see him, I see a guy that should be moving offensive tackle and and being Trent Williams just because he is so big. Um, what do you see when you see Darnell Washington? Yeah, and, and but he's going to be a tight end because he's his measurables are really really good. I mean, the guy ran a four six four. Um, his short shuttle time was ridiculous. So I mean, I don't think anybody's going to see him as an offensive tackle. Um, now, his tape's not great. His overall measurables, obviously, in his combine performance were off the charts. So he's got rare size. He's got unbelievable length. Um, he's got great straight line speed. Um, but I would say that his tape doesn't really reflect that. I mean, I, I don't want to say he's sluggish, but at times he almost looked a little awkward moving. You know, he's, he plays at one speed. There's there's no sense of, wow, look at him turn, turn it up, um, you know. Can he stretch the seam as a vertical dimension? Yeah, if he gets off the line cleanly and just can run straight, he probably can. Um, he showed flashes of, of playing to that speed once in a while. Um, you know, I would say that he's a good blocker in the run game, although he needs some technique work, but that can be taught. Um, and, and he was asked to do that from a lot of different alignments, so he has a lot of experience doing that. So you're dealing with a guy that has rare athletic measurables for his size, it will likely get him drafted in the top 40. He didn't have a lot of receiving production. In, in co- Keep in mind, they've got a better tight end at Georgia than Darnell I know, Washington. I know. Couldn't come out this year, and he's far better than Darnell Washington. So, you know, he's he'll probably be seen as an ascending talent that needs to be coached because he's got high-level physical athletic traits. And then people will say that, hey, if we coach him, if we develop him, his best football is 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 ahead of him, and we can make him into a really good player. But, you know, like I said, they had a better tight end to Georgia. A couple other guys I'm going to throw at you, Greg, and I'm going to let you pick which one you talk about. There's Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan, uh, Brenton Strange, Penn State. Sam Laporta, Iowa. Iowa has a good tight end every year, it feels like. Yeah, Any yeah, of those do. guys or anybody else? Uh, Zach Koontz, Old Dominion. Anybody else? Any of these guys jump out at you? Yeah, Musgrave. I watched him, and you had to go back to last year. I watched the two games he played this year in their entirety, and then I went back to last year because he got hurt. Um, just a quick aside. The one thing about Schoonmaker, and no, this should not be a surprise to anyone because of where he played in Michigan, that guy blocks. 
he is a really, really good blocker. But that's what Michigan demands of its tight ends. Yeah. Anyway, Musgrave, I, I think he's one of the better tight end prospects in this class. I mean, he's a really good receiver. Um, although he's got uh, extensive experience as an attached blocker in the run game. And by attached, I mean he's lined up right next to the offensive tackle, um, not split out. Um, and I, I think that he's positioned well to be a pretty complete multidimensional tight end at the next level. He's got really good size. I mean, he's six six over 250. Measurables are really good. Um, he's a smooth athlete. He released off the line of scrimmage really, really well. He showed both quickness through his vertical stem, separation quickness at the top of his stem. He's a strider. He has vertical ability. I mean, he can get into his routes, and and he can generate build-up speed, and, and he can work as an intermediate and vertical route runner. You know, think about the kind of routes that means in today's NFL. Seams, wheels, crossers, fades. That's, to me, how he can be best deployed at the NFL level. Um, and while he was attached a good percentage of the time in Oregon State, I think you can feature him as a split player quite a bit in the NFL, and he'd be successful in that area. You got to check this man out on social media. Absolutely love our conversations each and every week. Next week, we will discuss the big boys, the O-line, the skill position, the glamour position in the <laughs> NFL. Uh, really looking forward to that. He's at Greg Cosell on Twitter. I look forward to these conversations each and every week and have for a long time now. Thank you so much, Greg. Make sure you get your arm length measured by next week, Ross. (laughs) I will. I will. There he is, Greg Cosell. Absolutely love that guy. And I know you guys do as well. It's usually the most popular episode. You know what else is popular? Labatt Blue Lights. It's so good. I don't know why, but I'm convinced that coming down from Canada makes it colder. It's just colder. And to me, it's one of the few light beers that actually has a, a flavor, a taste to it, a delicious taste to it. Take things to the next level this weekend. Drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Tuck Steaks. All right, Ross, we'll start with the Commanders having two full-price $6 billion bids for the franchise. So two different thoughts on that, Jack. Number one, it really is incredible that you can mismanage an NFL franchise in every way for 25 years and still get that type of return on your investment. I forget how much Snyder paid, but he's getting a ridiculous ROI despite the fact that he's done almost everything wrong for 25 years. I mean, what what other industry is like that? Where you, 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 you not only do you do everything wrong, you do illegal things. You get sued. I, I mean, it, it's just remarkable. And now he gets to choose which one of the $6 billion bids he's going to take. The second part of it is, I'm so excited for the people in the DMV. I, I, I mean, Jack, when I, my, that, I started and finished my career with the Redskins in Washington. It was a big deal to be a Redskin. Like, their fan base was incredible. 
People loved them because it was coming off the 80s and the 90s. I have never seen an erosion of a fan base in pro sports like they have in Washington. And I am hopeful that this gets done as soon as possible. Think about whoever ends up buying it. You're going to be like a conquering hero because they're all so happy that Snyder's gone. And it's just going to be, I hope it brings back that fan base together because they deserve it. Tuck Stakes. We got a reunion in Detroit. The Lions signed wide receiver Marvin Jones Jr. to a one-year, $3 million contract. The Falcons signed wide receiver Scotty Miller. And the Bills signed defensive tackle Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips was disappointing uh, against the Bengals. You know, he's kind of been hot and cold during his career. Uh, Inconsistent. Has a lot of ability, but inconsistent as a performer. I kind of thought Scotty Miller would do more with Brady in Tampa, but... You know, he just was behind all those other guys. He didn't really get much of an opportunity. And then Marvin Jones Jr., you're right about the reunion. That's really cool. I mean, that that is exciting. I, I like that. And he's basically replacing DJ Chark, who went to Jack. Uh, Where did DJ Chark go? Uh, Carolina. Carolina, that's right. Tuck Stakes. NFL clubs table the ability to flex the Thursday night games, but they, however, will allow teams to play two Thursday night football games in a season. So this is important. And, you know, maybe this is something I'll, I'll tweet out um, because, unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that don't listen or watch the Ross Tucker football podcast. Can you imagine, I mean, the void that they must feel on a daily basis. Um, But honestly, Jack, everybody's railing against this. You can't flex Thursday night games. That's horrible for the fans, which is true, of course. Season ticket holders, that would be a raw deal. Let's be honest, though. Jack, the TV partners and the TV audience is way bigger then the season ticket holders and the NFL realized and decided a long time ago that the priority was television and people come across, Oh, two Thursday night games. That's not good for player safety. And you know, NFL's greedy. I feel like people lose sight of the fact the players get almost 50 cents on every dollar. Almost 50%. The players should be every bit as incentivized to do what it takes to make the TV partners happy, like Amazon on Thursday nights, so that when the bidding comes up again, they're bidding against Apple and YouTube or whoever, and the rates go even higher so that the players get more money. Like, what are we talking about? Is it ideal? No. We we passed ideal in terms of competitive advantage stuff years ago. This whole thing's about the money. Like, they're doing this for the money. The owners are. The players are. So, I just think it's disingenuous when people want these huge contracts, but then they don't want to play on Thursday night or they don't want to do this. Like, you know how much money they get from Amazon for Thursday Night Football? Are you kidding me? 
So to this point, they've asked every guy to play one Thursday night game. And the amount of money that that injects into the system, I just, I don't understand why people don't ever make that point when we talk about that. It's always, oh, the NFL is greedy. The NFL gives up 50% of every dollar to the players. So it's for the players too. Anyway, um, here's what else I think. I think you guys should have an awesome weekend. I hope you have an awesome weekend. Remember, like, finish strong tomorrow at work on a Friday. You can always listen to Even Money Podcasts, which is fantastic, or Fantasy Feast, which I really enjoyed going over the quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks, college draft. And hopefully some of you, by the way, checked out our live mock draft last night. That was a blast. Jack, that was awesome. That was incredible. It was incredible to see how many people were tuning in live to see the picks. Some of the picks were hilarious just in themselves, just Emery taking the guys that he values at like 10 or 15 that are like ranked on like PFF or wherever he uses like 45. It was incredible. Yeah, he just doesn't care. I love it. I appreciate it. Anyway, we're going to use that as Monday's college draft episode. So you can just listen to it on Monday's college draft. But if you want to watch it, it's still up uh, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Number one shout out today, myfrontpagestory.com. You know why? Because today is one of the anniversaries for my wife and I. We met 22 years ago today at an off-campus house, Bucknell University. She walked into the room and changed my life forever for the better. And I still haven't gotten her a story from myfrontpagestory.com. You know why? Probably because she knows that I own the company. And she'll be like, ah, you didn't have to pay for this. But I am going to get her one at some point. Probably a Mother's Day gift. You should do it as well. Mother's Day, anniversary, birthday. Trust me. I am as confident about this as anything in my life. Whoever you get it for will love it. Probably bring a tear to their eyes and it will be hanging up in their house. That should be enough. Myfrontpagestory.com. Then you got backofficescheduler.com, Evergreen Economics, go-bangles.com, steakhousesports.com, humanheadnyc.com, sportaculture, and of course, Pizza Boy Brewing. I think we're done here. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.